You're listening to a Money on the Move weekly series, Flashback Fridays. We are bringing back our favorite episodes from the archives. Every Friday, I'll bring you a blast from our past. My athleticism started as an eight-year-old. I'm the oldest of five girls, and my dad wanted to run on Saturday morning, so the way to do it was to take one of the kids with you. And so I would go and run with my dad. He was a real product of the community road racers in the 80s, and I remember doing that from a very young age, and it stuck with me, and I, to this day, say that's one of the greatest gifts that you know my father ever has given me. That was Amy Freeze. This is Marnie Salop. You're listening to the Marnie on the Move podcast. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. You may have seen my next guest reporting the weather while running the New York City Marathon. Amy Fries is an Emmy Award-winning meteorologist and endurance athlete fueled by running and triathlon. On today's episode, I sync up with Amy about how she got her start in television, where her passion for running began, how she lives a prioritized life between her busy career training for races and having four children, and her key philosophy on how she gets it all done. With that, I bring you Amy Freeze. Today's episode is fueled by Sun Potion. I am such a huge fan of their super high-quality tonic herbs, mushrooms, and superfoods. I started using these transformational foods and supplements around two years ago, and they have been serious game changers for my health, my energy levels, and even my sleep. Typically, I alternate between their Yin Power Potion and Ashwagandha for all things balance, Cordyceps if I'm feeling low energy and want to boost my workout, or Chaga when my immune system is feeling taxed. I simply add it to my morning coffee or smoothie, and I'm on the move. Sun Potion offers a variety of rejuvenating, restorative, and healing organic supplements and transformational foods. Head over to their website, sunpotion.com, and see for yourself. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Marnie on the Move on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Android. And of course, you can go to our website, at MarnieOnTheMove.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter because we have some exciting announcements, deals, and giveaways. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. This is cool. All right, we're rolling. All right, How pod- easy is this? We're podcasting. We're podcasting. <laughs> yes. We are in the WABC television studio. We we're are. actually in the studio because the news is happening and I'll pop in and out. And you've been doing this all your entire career. Yes, I've been doing it a very long time. I've actually lived in eight cities as an adult. A lot of people think I'm from Utah. Mm-hmm. I was born there, but when I was six weeks old, my parents took me to Indiana. So that's where I grew up. Very small town. So small town, different kind of tough. Uh-huh. And uh, a little town called Jeffersonville, which is now a much bigger town, actually. And then I've lived in 
eight different states as an adult moving from job to job. When you started out in broadcast and television, did you, I mean, you have your last name, Freeze. I mean, was it serendipitous that you became a meteorologist or did you want to go into hosting? Right. Or what was your No, your none of the above. No one told me you should go with your last name because it would have saved me a lot of education <laughs> and it would have been a much more direct path. But I grew up actually wanting to be a veterinarian until uh-huh. I was about 10. Oh, me too. That's so funny. And then I realized that, that sometimes the cats and dogs don't come out of the veterinarian's office and uh-huh. I didn't like that part. So uh-huh. I decided that I wanted to be a journalist instead. And so I studied um, high school and even into my college, you know, how to write and uh-huh. how to be a journalist. And I did two study abroads, one to Germany, one to South Africa. And eventually something happened. You know, there was a cute boy. Mm-hmm. We got married. I uh-huh. followed him to wherever he was going. I couldn't get a job at a newspaper in Portland, Oregon, because it was kind of the decline of the newspaper era. But I could get a job at a TV station as a writer. So I started writing there. So you started on the production side. Yeah, pretty much. Side. Yes. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. And I remember that I was working several jobs. I was working at a retail store called Casual Quarter. I think it's still mm-hmm. around. Yeah. And then I was teaching modeling classes at John Robert Powers. And then I was writing for the station. And all of a sudden they said, oh, we're going to start a new morning show. We'll hire you as a writer. And I said, oh, no, no. I'm going to be writing for like the Wall Street Journal of Boston Globe. And they're like, okay, you're 20, but whatever. Uh-huh. And so then we we had this new show starting, and they said, go stand down there and read some copy. Uh-huh. So I was in the studio under the new lights reading, and all of a sudden they said, what's she going to be doing? And they said, she's just our writer. I said, oh, no, she should do something like entertainment news. That was my first job on TV was entertainment news. And how old were you? I was 20. I was about 21 years old, 21. Uh-huh. And I went into the boss's um, office. I remember him saying, hey, we'd like to, you to be the entertainment reporter. And I'm like, I know about the European Union and NATO, and I know about small factional wars. And he basically said, well, you would get full-time plus benefits. And I was like... Should I start that when I go downstairs or wait until tomorrow? <laughs> because I was so excited to actually get benefits and pay. So that's how it started. And then um, meteorologists there had to have some time off. And they said, Amy Freeze, do the weather. And I went back to school and got all my degrees. That's so awesome. And it's been, and then since then, you've gone from market to market, which is a typical sort of path for someone who's in entertainment hosting? Sure. I mean, I've loved every place I've lived, but it's true. Being born with the name Freeze was the perfect fit for going into meteorology. And after getting that first opportunity to do the weather, I sort of never looked back. I'm like, this is a fit for me. It's great. I still dream someday I might I might work for the Wall Street Journal, but you know, who knows? And so I just, I ran with it. I learned as much as I could about meteorology. I worked from Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. then to Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I spent a little time in Los Angeles and then moved to Philadelphia, Chicago, New York. I spent some time in Mississippi doing some studies there. So a whole bunch of different uh, things. But my education really culminated at University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, where I got my master's degree. When And when did athleticism come into your <laughs> life? Because I feel like, you know, I'm listening to you talk about Chicago and Philadelphia and, you know, all these different markets. And they're also, they all sound like great places to run. Yes, too. absolutely. I've, so, I've run uh, races and marathons in all those places that I've lived. But really, my my athleticism started as an eight-year-old. My I'm the oldest of five girls and my dad wanted to run on Saturday morning. So the way to do it was to take one of the kids with you. And so I would go and run with my dad. He was a real product 
product of the community road racers in the 80s. And I remember doing that from a very young age. And it stuck with me. And I, to this day, say that's one of the greatest gifts that, you know, my father ever has given me because, you know, running, besides it being just fun, is a wonderful opportunity for spiritual, mental, you know, physical health that just, especially as women, helps us sort of stay well-rounded and grounded. And so has that been something that has like fueled you uh, throughout your career? Because I know it's a very stressful, not stressful, but a very tough schedule being on air, especially with your hours. Yeah, I think a lot of people deal with stress in different ways. Some people drink, smoke, they have their vices, um, they do whatever they need to to help kind of manage the stress and the craziness of life. I've never had a cigarette. I've never drank. I've never had coffee in my life. Oh, um, wow. I have never turned to sort of the substances. Instead, my, my coping mechanism has been running. Like, so therapeutic and such an outlet for me. Wow, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. so now, how many marathons have you run? I've done nine. My 10th mm-hmm. will be in November, the New York City Marathon. Wow, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Are you going to run and also broadcast it? Like you're yes. running and reporting? Yes. And the way that works, people always want to know running yeah. and reporting. How do you um, do that? My favorite way to do it is to actually be running the race mm-hmm. as a participant and then pass me the microphone or whatever I need, microphone and headset during portions of the race and I do interviews. The other way it can happen is that I'm on the course, but not running all of it. So Mm -hmm. I basically go with a motorcade and I have the equipment and I get on and off the motorcycle from time to time. That's required if we're profiling certain athletes. Right. Yeah. So I prefer to be running and have them just pass me the info and whoever's around me, we talk. But sometimes I don't get that luxury because it is part of my job. This year, I plan to be running the whole race. How do you train when you are busy working this job? You have four kids. Yes. And, you know stuff to do. Yes, absolutely. Four kids. I'm a single mom. I work full-time. I'm the support system. I do not have a full-time nanny. No one comes to clean my house. People are under this illusion that I must have a staff helping me. My family lives 2,000 miles away. I do have a lot of supportive friends, which is very helpful, but it really is not really a balanced life, I would say. It's more of a prioritized life. Uh So I have to figure out what the priority is at the time, and that's how I kind of make it work. So when I'm at work and there's Uh a priority, I'm there. But when I need to get my run in, that's the priority. Or when I need to be with my kids or when I'm at church, whatever's happening, that's the priority. That's where I just shift my focus. And that becomes what I'm doing at that present moment. And that ability to shift focus and move quickly from thing to thing, I think, is the secret for people who are trying to get a lot done. Right. And uh, as my kids get older, everyone said it was going to get easier. It's not. Um, but <laughs> It's not uh, easier. Yeah. They're great kids. They're very adaptable. They're yeah. involved in their own things. And so that helps when they have their own thing to see mm-hmm. that mom is wanting to get out, get on the run and stuff. So they're inspired by everything that you do. Yeah. And it helps them understand, like, if they're doing their thing, well, I'm I'm part of the family, too. So mom must have something as well. Right. And mm-hmm. so are any of them athletic? Um, yeah, I think all of them have a little bit of athleticism, too. My oldest son has run the Long Island Half Marathon, mm-hmm. but I think he's like, okay, that was good. <laughs> and then uh, my second son's a great soccer player. He mm-hmm. plays on and off on local teams. My daughter is actually a musician. She plays piano and harp. And then my youngest son, William, is probably the most athletic. He's playing for Empire Baseball right now, and so he just loves it. So he's only nine, though. Have you started training for the marathon, or you're at a point now where you don't need to train? Oh, it's in November. I so. wish I could say a point 
I don't need to train. I had a really lazy winter. If anyone mm-hmm. else is out there and has had an off uh, season, I took off season to a brand new level. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I, I gained t- about yeah, I like too. 15, 17 pounds somewhere around there, which uh-huh. is a lot because I'm only five foot four. Mm-hmm. Um, not trying to be vain Jane, but I always know I'm getting out of control when I can't really zip the dresser dress as yeah. smoothly. Yeah. So my my main goal in life is just to fit into my dresses and not have to keep buying over and over. So yeah. I was like, okay, I need to stop. And I wanted to get some new fitness goals. Uh-huh. So I just kind of went back into training about a month ago. And muscle memory is good, but mm-hmm. I really have to control myself to not doing too much too soon. Because mm-hmm. when you're heavy and you try to jump right back into where you right. are, you create an injury. So I've been running like two to four miles. Mm-hmm. And then I've been mixing in a lot of other things like spinning and just eating right, focusing a lot on my diet mm-hmm. and exercise is just I'm getting back moving and stuff like that. But I've had quick results with it. So I'm inspired by that. And I'm looking forward to some races over the summer. In September, I'm doing a new, brand new race that I've never even heard of before. But it's been around 30 years. It's in New York. It's called the SOS. Oh, so you're doing it. Yes. It's Survival of the Shawgunks. And Uh it's in, um, you know, New York. And it's up by New Paul's. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a really cool. Yes, exactly. I know exactly the race. Yeah. It's really a fun race. Uh, You bike, you swim, you run. But in a non-traditional form. Very organic race. Um, right. They have more than 250 volunteers, almost as much as the people that participate in the race. I'm looking forward to that in September, and then I'll do the New York City Marathon. How is it not traditional, like a regular triathlon? You start with 30 miles of biking. Okay, and so, it's biking yes. on crazy terrain? Or? Biking, uh, there's some road terrain as well, but it's um, big inclines, and uh-huh. it's a 30-mile ride that's tough. I'm not a great cyclist, but mm-hmm. I know how to ride. And then you're going to swim across three different lakes and in between you're running to get to each lake which means you have to carry your shoes mm-hmm. or anything else you want on the entire right. rest of the race for a total of 50 miles so it's like a swim run triathlon combo yes with a little biking yeah so bike run swim, swim run. run yeah over three lakes so it's beautiful it's mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. i know i think it sounds like a great race when is it it's uh, early September. Early September. Yeah, first weekend in September. So it's still Sunday. warm. Mm-hmm. It might. Yes. It won't be freezing. No, it won't be freezing yet. And hopefully we'll get a nice hot into the summer so that the water will still be warm. You know, I, I literally have just learned in the last three years how to get into dark water. Oh. Um, I was totally terrified much mm-hmm. of my childhood of dark water. I'd never been in the ocean until three years ago. The way I got over my fear of sharks and the boogeyman uh-huh. is uh, I learned to swim and not swim, surf. I already knew how to See, swim. That is like exactly what I need to do. And I keep telling everyone that I have a, f- I have like a, a fear of the ocean, but yes. it's not like a, it's not like I'm, I'm not afraid. Well, I was afraid of sharks, but it's really like being pulled out to sea and not yes. being able to get back in, mm-hmm. you know? And I keep saying like, I want to learn how to surf because I feel like that will give me the confidence that I need it works. to get, it works. It really so does how, work. So tell me a little bit more um, about it. There's Sorry. a wonderful family out on Long Island, the Scudin family. They uh-huh. have been surfing, you know, for generations. They're really great people. Will Scudin is a top of the world, big wave surfer, and Cliff is an amazing surfer. These guys are great. Look for uh-huh. the Scudin surf camps. They do adults all the way down is to kids. Is it in Montauk? Or? Um, they do Mont- out of Montauk too, but they okay. have Long Beach. They also um, have Rockways. I mean, really anywhere you want to find them there. They have a couple camps set up, but they're super professional. You know, just from the first time I went out and, and tried it, I'm like, yes, I can actually get in the water. Now, mind you, I was very good at surfing in the beginning because I was so terrified of falling in. Right. But well, eventually you fall in. And yeah. And so eventually you're there. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's funny because I spent about 16 years windsurfing mm-hmm. and I have no problem 
like getting on my board. Do you ever fall off though? All the time. But you know, I do not stay in the water for more than like two seconds. Like I'm back on that board because I do not want like my butt in the water. Like so some shark could come by and bite it. Like that's my (laughs) biggest fear. So like I don't really fall that much because like there's no, I have zero interest in like getting eaten by a shark or a jellyfish. I but know the feeling. When it comes to swimming, it's like you can't really see anything. No, it's in the dark. water, and even if but you But these can, lakes it's like that weird. I'll be swimming in, uh, lakes I'll be swimming in for SOS, are clear. They're very nice, beautiful oh, lakes upstate. Awesome. Great, great water quality up there. I did do a triathlon out in Montauk, and I had an anxiety, an anxiety attack, and kind of during the swim. But as I do it more and more, I get better and better. Yeah, I mean, and so is that sort of how you started doing this polar plunge that you love to do? I love the polar plunge. I started doing that for charity. Like, you know, it sounds so good. People are like, you can do this. This is going to be helping the children and this is going to be really good. But then when you actually do it, you're like, this is terrible. I know Uh why people are paying me to do this. It's Uh incredibly crazy. But the amateur move on the polar bear plunge. Uh Uh-huh is taking your shoes off too early. You think, oh, I'll take my shoes off. Then I've got something off. Right. But no, just take your, you know, start to disrobe because the shoes should come off last. If your feet are on the frozen sand too long, mm-hmm. it's super painful. So yeah, don't do the rookie move. That is a rookie move. Leave your move. shoes on that as long as possible. Point. Yeah. So now speaking of charity organizations, mm-hmm. you had invited me to something really cool this yes. week for the Challenged Athletes Foundation. So tell me a little bit about that foundation. Sure. The way I first learned about Challenged Athletes Foundation is I was watching Iron Man actually, and they had a participant who was a single leg amputee. Her name is Sarah Reinertson. And so I saw her and the first year she did not finish. So she was attempting to be the first single leg, you know, amputee to finish the race. And I was heartbroken. She didn't make the time trial. And I was sitting on my couch going, life is so unfair. She came back. She finished. She made the times and she finished and she became the first single leg amputee to finish Ironman. And I was so inspired by her. I saw her the following fall in Chicago in Mm -hmm. a lobby, a hotel lobby. And I happened to have her cover, cover issue of Runner's World in my backpack. So I whipped it out and said, I'm so inspired by you. Will you signed my magazine. And from there, we've been friends probably uh, 10, 15 years now. She was just accepted back into Kona this year. So she'll be back in That's Kona. Amazing. But she introduced me to this organization. And, you know, when we think about how hard it is to get up sometimes, but then we look at someone who is not as able-bodied, you know, right. we have all our arms, legs, fingers, toes, et cetera, and we can get up and able-bodied participate in sports. These people don't let that stop them. The, the Challenge right. Athletes Foundation gives them a, a grant. Uh, last year, they gave out like 2,800 grants more than mm-hmm. ever before. And as they gave out the grants, these people can return to their sports, but many return at a very competitive level. Paralympics, you know, highly competitive races. Right. It's very incredible. It's incredibly inspiring. So if you think, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty fit. I'm into athletics, but sometimes you're playing the head game with yourself. Oh, I don't feel like going out or yeah. I'm burnt out. Just come be a part of the, the Challenge Athletes Foundation. Your mind will get stronger. You're going to see the spirit of people who have overcome a lot and have no regrets. And so yeah. that's powerful. I think it's super powerful. I mean, for me, whenever I start to feel like, oh, I'm too tired or, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, I have no excuse. 
kind of get some perspective. Right. Yeah. I have a friend, um, his name's Rudy um, Tolson Garcia. He actually is a double leg amputee up near the hip Mm -hmm. and he lives over in Brooklyn. He works here up at 72nd in Manhattan. So he navigates the New York subway system to come all the way uptown every day Mm -hmm. to do his job. He's an amazing swimmer. He's a great triathlete. I did the Empire State run up with him this year. Mm -hmm. So these people are doing things that we might take for granted that we have the capability to do. And they not only do it, they do it well and they're inspiring why they do it. So it's so it's a great, great organization. Challenge Athletes Foundation. Hit me up if you want to know more. Yeah, I want to know. Invite I want to go to their, um, they do a dinner every year. Yes. So I want to yeah, go to big that. Spring, spring big spring gala. It's in June. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, really kind of overcoming all kinds of things, I want to talk about mindset for a second, <laughs> because I feel like you have to have a certain mindset to be able to to sustain the schedule that you sustain, you know, mm-hmm. what are your hours here? Like, what's your like, what's your schedule like, typically? <laughs> the schedule is never the schedule. In a perfect world, my assignment is is that I'm off Mondays and Tuesdays, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I would work a nine to five shift, mm-hmm. and then Saturdays and Sundays, I work about four a.m. till about eleven a.m. How do you find time to sleep between having four kids and you know this schedule and also training? Do it's you very, sleep? It's very <laughs> tough. I do sleep. Believe it or not, sleep's really important to me. Uh, but a lot of times that normal schedule will be shifted and I will work more early morning hours, which mm-hmm. can entail getting up at 2.30 in the morning and not being home till 1.30 in the afternoon. I can also sometimes work night shifts and that's not even to speak of the blizzards or the severe weather outbreaks that require even more hours. So that can make things tricky because not only is it a weird schedule, it's uh-huh. not always consistent. So what I have to do is kind of take take this big pie that I have in front of me, which is sectioned off, right. and I have to look and see which part of the pie is the priority of the day or right. priority of the moment. Um, I do try to get my entire family in bed by 8, 30, 9 o'clock. It's very difficult as my kids get older. Last night, which was a Friday night, you know, not everybody's in the house till 11 o'clock. Right. And so as a mom, I really can't sleep or relax until I get everyone back collected in. So that makes it tough to wake up at four in the morning. So that might require some naps sneaking in from time to time. But I have developed mm-hmm. a it must be done. Okay. So when I say to myself, I'm tired, I really don't want to work out, you know, all these excuses that we can come up with because our lives are validating right. a break. I say it must be done. So it must be done. I have to work out some way. So to figure out what I'm going to do. Now, sometimes it's less than other times, but it must be done. So I finished my schedule today and I may or may not want to work out, but I usually have already set something up in place where mm-hmm. I bring my workout clothes. That's how I leave the building. I go straight to Central Park and run my long runs on Saturday and Sunday morning because you're here. It must be I, done. Yeah, it must be yeah, done. Yeah, it must be done. So, um, you know, you got to do it. And your, your only motivation cannot be vanity. I mean, I'm, I can be vain Jane, just like the next person. Right. And that's kind of part, a lot of your job, I mean, is being in front of the camera all the time. So you really have to, as part of your job, think about that. Right. It's not even because you're vain. It's because you're a little chubby, Amy, your dress is a little tight, whatever people are real with you, but they'll also say, Hey, you look great. Or I love that dress. So it, it evens out. But you know, it is part of it. I don't want people looking at the TV and going, oh, wow, she's too thin. I want them to be listening right. to the weather. And you're a real so, person. Yes. So you also yeah. you know, want to convey that. Right. So it's, it's a balance, but it also is for long-term health. I want to be around for my kids. I want to be strong. 
I want to be able to do the things I want to do. I don't want to be like, oh, I can't do that. I'm too old. I'm too stiff. I'm too this. No, I mean like that. I just don't see that in my future. So consistency is a huge part of keeping that. Yeah, 100%. -hmm. And so I noticed also that in the last year, you've been doing a ton of strength training. Yes. And core work on Instagram. That's where I saw it. Yes. (laughs) I actually have been motivated to do the strength Uh training by women that are older than me because I've seen them in the gym or I've met them and I'm saying, oh, what are you doing? And like, well, my sport is this. I really enjoy biking, but I spend a lot of time strength training because we all as women, for whatever reason, think we're going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger when we, when we do a workout with, with weights, but it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. So I'm continually inspired by people who are doing the strength training and seeing the results that they have, um, you know, year after year after year. So that's super inspiring. That being said, I've had times in my life where things have been tough and I've learned that strength training brings the most results. So for example, when I had my first son, Mm -hmm. I was very young, very, very young and pregnant with him. I'm five foot four and I got pregnant. I was probably 112 pounds. Uh That's very, maybe 120. Okay. Okay. Very, very, uh, slight build. Okay. Then I got pregnant with my son Mm -hmm. and when I was on the table, About ready to give birth, the anesthesiologist says, now, how tall are you and how much do you weigh? And I said, well, I'm five foot four, point Mm -hmm. five. Uh I'm five one, point five. (laughs) Five four, point five. (laughs) And I am 209 pounds. Like, so I basically Mm -hmm. gained another person, but the person that came out was only seven pounds. Uh And I had all this weight left to lose. Now, a lot of it was due to uh, swelling and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I walked out of the hospital and I'm like 160 pounds, still got to get rid of weight, you know, even after my pregnancy. So at the time I was married uh-huh. and, and he said, well, let's do this program called Body for Life. And it was a competition over 12 weeks of strength training. Uh-huh. So um, a man named Bill Phillips developed it. He also developed the EAS supplement line to, still around. But we did this over 12 weeks. Now, I was very against weight training. You were? And I was very against leaving my son. So I'd bring him to the Valley's Total Fitness. Remember uh-huh. that? And yes. I would put him in the little daycare for 45 minutes. And I would set my watch because they said, you can get the workout in 45 minutes. I'd set my watch and I'd go and I'd be like, this is so dumb. I'm lifting weight and it's never going to work. But it did work. I cut my body fat in half. I went down to like 18% body fat. I felt, looked great. And not only that, we won the contest. Right. And we won $100,000. That's how I bought my first home. And uh, was, you know, extremely successful and very motivating because That's I had so that cool. big carrot. But what I found is that over time, when you do get in those ruts, everybody does. Yeah. I mean, for women, it's usually, (laughs) yeah, sometimes it's pregnancy for women. Sometimes it is a setback of a job loss or a death in the family or just whatever's happening to you. Right. But the thing is, is as soon as you start to train your mind again Mm -hmm. for your body to get a result, things like just fall back into place. So there's something about that consistency and that return to flexing your muscles Mm -hmm. it also gives your brain and your emotional stability that that push to keep going yeah so i think that strength training is at the core of a lot of things even though what i really love doing is climbing mountains running biking you know swimming that kind of stuff surfing i love the activity but strength training is kind of at the root of all those things it is Mm -hmm. it's very grounding i feel so Mm -hmm. you know but it's one of those things even i don't I mean, I used to do a lot of strength training when I was spending more time windsurfing. 
And I would, you know, I don't know why, just for whatever reason, mm -hmm. and I would only run. But then I got into triathlon, and there's only so many hours in a week and so many hours in a day. True, and true, true. I was prioritizing on, like, doing the actual sports versus actually doing any strength training. And then, you know, a lot of the athletes that I work with, like Andia mm -hmm. or even, you know, studios like Mile High Run Club, like, they are, you know, always telling you to strength train. Any right. of my trainers, my swim coach. And, you know, it's something, it's not really fun to do it on your own. Right. So I feel like it's, it's good to have some kind of incentive like you do for triathlons or, you know, marathons. You have Absolutely. an incentive. There's a race at the end. So mm -hmm. I like the idea of entering competition like yes. you did to kind or of even taking, jump things, start, get things started. If, even if you want to keep it private, you can take before and after pictures of yourself, which seems kind of ridiculous, but you really right. will see the transformation and that is, is, is just highly motivating and you start to get to points of progress where you're like well there's nothing that I can't do I could get better and better and better and that really is the name of the game is that yeah. really we don't have any limits except for the ones we place on ourselves so just kind of going after it makes yeah. a huge difference so do you have an inside advantage since you get the uh, first dibs on the weather <laughs> I would <laughs> you, say like, when you're good I know there was no segue there yeah, I'm no, sure it's okay. like you know, media training 101, <laughs> I just failed. No, it's <laughs> <I'm> good. <horrible. laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, especially with New York, the weather can change in five minutes. And right. you're trying to plan your workouts and, you know, what you're going to wear for the workout and whatever. Um, usually, I don't let any weather bother me. I will okay. run in the winter until it's 29 degrees. 29, okay, 29 degrees, degrees and below, I'm in on the treadmill, which I don't like that much. Right. But um, I like running outside in the winter. Rain doesn't stop me because there's tons of gear. If you right, wear the right gear you're fine uh-huh um and i just feel like you don't know what the race day is going to be like just like we don't know what a life day is going to throw at us right and i just go with it whatever the weather is i kind of just absorb it sometimes it's not as you know enjoyable mm -hmm. but um, my favorite type of weather to run in is a hot day hot humid day so like yesterday yes. in new york city i love that yeah. yeah when we get in the 80s and it's humid i really like it my body can adapt well to the heat. I know how to hydrate and drink a lot of water, and mm -hmm. I enjoy it. I do tons of sunscreen, my hat, my glasses. I'm good to go. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What are some of your upcoming races, and how are you involved in the community locally? Channel 7 offers a lot of opportunities for us to be right in the community in fitness. I just did the Bronx Zoo Run, which was incredible. It was right through the Bronx. If you've never done it, it's a I've hilly run. It. Yeah. It's a 5K. It's every year. It's for a wonderful cause. Do it. But then there's also Strides Against Breast Cancer, which mm -hmm. we do in the fall in October. And very inspiring. Four-mile walk. And you get hundreds and hundreds of people out there um, all for the same cause. We love that. And, of course, we broadcast the New York City Marathon. And each one of those opportunities, while I love the fitness portion of it. It just introduces you to amazing people, right. gets you outside of your comfort zone. I've made some of the best friends of my life in doing television stories. Yes. Because, and so getting out there and doing the fitness is just such a bonus, mm -hmm. such a perk of my job. Um, but it's something everybody can do. If you just get out there and you get to know new friends, you're going to be brought into circles that you never thought. I serve on the um, advisory board for an organization called Back on My Feet. Uh huh. And they create homeless running programs, mm -hmm. meaning that they go into the shelters. They allow the people to sign up for runs at 530 in the morning. They create a point system. They can earn all their own gear. They can mm -hmm. earn job training. They can earn housing opportunities. And they use running as a model to get people literally back on their feet. I feel like you've pioneered a lot of these programs for ABC. Like, I feel like because of your passion around athleticism that you've kind of gotten ABC really involved as a network. Well, you know, they've always been involved in, in fitness 
you know, initiatives. However, I think I'm probably the one who said, well, I want to do it. I right. would actually like to participate. So when I went up and did the Bronx Zoo, we did live coverage all morning, but between 8 and 9 a.m. is our break. And I ran the race and they're like, we're going to be sweaty and gross on TV. And I'm like, that's okay. I think people will get it that I actually just ran and tomorrow I'll be back in my dress. So it's all good. It's super inspiring (laughs) to see that ABC is covering races. I do. And I think the thing that's great about it and the reason why there's such investment, Uh you know, for myself and for the television station is that these are usually races and events that reach into the community beyond just the race itself. Right. They're doing good for children, families, fitness, you know, and beyond. And that's, that's a really awesome thing to be a part of. I mean, I ran for a couple of races last year with an organization called the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. And then I actually went up uh, Mount Fuji with them in Japan over the summer. All of that money that was raised with the organization went to fund blood cancers and research for cancers across the globe. That's pretty powerful for running a race. And so you use a lot of your athleticism to help raise awareness beyond just being on camera. Yeah. And a lot of people, that's how they get involved. It's their first, you know, opportunity. In addition to reporting the weather, I know you also spend time producing segments and looking for interesting stories. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. Yes. I mean, my number one job is I'm a trained on-camera meteorologist, so I have my degrees and specialties in that. But I also love and am curious about other things that are happening in the world. And so anytime I get the chance to bring an interesting story, uh, meet a person who's interesting and and use them as part of a television story, I'm definitely going to be doing that. So I'm always enterprising. And um, a lot of times I do the stories or sometimes they get passed to other people. Uh But we're all encouraged um, as journalists to bring in stories about, you know, the community, about what's happening in New York. Awesome. And when do you start like looking for interesting stories to share for the marathon? Um, I'm always looking. I'm always okay. looking year round. Um, we get a lot of leads from the New York Roadrunners because they take, yes. you know, um, they take runners ideas. But, you know, always hit me up on social media or okay. whatever. If cool. somebody has a really great story about the New York City uh, Marathon, we'd love to we'd love to tell the story. Um, my Instagram is at Amy Freeze. My Twitter is at Amy Freeze 7 and Facebook. Also, I think we're going to have a running club or community this this year as well. So You're going to start Yeah, one? I think we're going to do that. So look for that coming probably in late July. It's going to be Team ABC? Something like that, probably. That's awesome. Let us yeah. know if you're looking for runners. I think Chasing Amy would be a great Chasing title. Chasing Amy, that's such a good one. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me up at the station. Thank you, Marnie, for it's coming. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Be on the other side. <laughs> great to see you. Um, and as always, best of luck to you. I'll see you on the run. Awesome. Thank you so much. You got it's it. It's been so great. You got it. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com, and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Android, and more. Also, sign up for our newsletter. Just scroll down to the bottom of the site, to the bottom of the website, and hit sign up, because we are gearing up for some really big, exciting announcements, deals, and giveaways. Thanks again for tuning in. 